0: Hi everyone, this is Katherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 98, and tonight we have a very special guest with us. Hello! It's Hannah Wallace, yeah. otherwise so known as our, um, well, bigger sister. <laughs> taller sister. Taller certainly. sister, yeah. It's hard to calling you our little sister, since you're uh, taller than us. So yeah. yeah, starting at like
1: age eight, I think. Pretty much, so. yeah. <laughs> I know, I just remember
0: us being <laughs> at school at one point and coming back, and we're like, oh crap, she's <laughs> taller than us, oh god. <laughs> so, in celebration of October and Halloween and all those good things, we we wanted to make sure that we did at least one episode talking about horror stuff so this is our quick nod at horror movies there's so many that we would pick if we had all the time in the world. So we just each grabbed one that we thought was worth talking about for this podcast. So uh, go ahead as our special guest, Hannah. You get to go first. Yay! Y'all
1: sprung the me pretty quick, but no, I was... For sure. Sure. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. We don't I've prepare for this it, yeah.
0: podcast, man. Why would we ever prepare for a podcast?
1: <laughs> well, in thinking about picking them, I decided I would pick um, uh, In the Mouth of Madness, uh, which is a movie that you all showed to me. I think after you saw it, when you went away to college, yep. you saw it in the movie theater, and then... To my my recollection, I was about 12, and um, I remember sitting in the TV room here at Mom and Dad's house and watching it, and it scared the crap out of me, but in a fun way that I really liked. (laughs) And then years later, I think it planted the seeds for my Sam Neill obsession, because I didn't know who it was at the time. Oh. Kind of revisiting when when I fell in love with Sam Neill. I was like, oh, he's in this too? That's perfect. Was he...
0: Was that before Jurassic Park? It's 1994, actually. I'm, it's after. I'll be Jurassic darn. Park is
1: 93, I think. That's it's after. Right. I think yeah. you're right, yeah. I don't know, they may, may, may have been filmed in a different order. but I, That sure. may have been running. one of the
0: reasons why I went to see it because I'm like, oh, it's that dude from Jurassic Park. Let's go. Because, of course, he's been in tons of other things that I'd never watched. I think it was like
1: three years later when I finally pieced all that wow. together. So I think it wasn't immediately. But
0: he does sort of disappear into his roles, I've noticed. He really, I think he can. With his vague sort of New Zealand accent. As yes. as yeah, there, but... yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right, so why, what is one of the reasons why you really like Well, it's
1: just a creepy, it's almost, I almost want to call it a B movie. It's a John Carpenter movie. Um, It just seems to do all the things. So it's about basically a Stephen King kind of um, author who has disappeared and Sam Neill's character is hired by the publishing company to find him. And Sam Neill is, of course, this cheery skeptic who thinks that it's all a publicity stunt. And it just, reality falls off from the movie so quickly. Just everything, (laughs) all odd things happen. You wind up kind of in the books. You never quite know what's real or what's not. It's a bunch of scary, creepy visuals and scary, creepy things. And it just kind of... Uh, It's just really creepy without much, you know, it doesn't try to really string a whole lot of plot together. It just strings a lot of creepy, creepy moments, creepy visuals together.
0: It's one of the examples I've always found about, you know, like H.P. Lovecraft. If you read the original Lovecraft stuff, it's actually not that scary. But you read anything that's inspired by Lovecraft and all the things about things that, you know, (sighs) something that's so evil and so otherworldly that it makes you go insane to look at it. That's such a Lovecraft thing. And there was some of the imagery that they had. works so well for being so not really a whole lot of special effects like you know the one main character the woman she's looking at a painting in a hotel and she looks back at it later on, and the painting has changed. And that's a trope that's been used a lot, but my God, is it effective here. Oh, and yeah.
1: one of the things you guys had mentioned recently on uh, about Alice Isn't Dead was the idea of seeing a face in brake lights behind you. Yes. And they use that so well you're on an empty road, two people. It's quiet. It's even kind of almost genial. They're, they're laughing with each other. And there's this kid who's all by himself, panicky on a road riding a bicycle. And they kind of just fly by him. And look, and you see his face, and there's a, like an orchestra hit Ugh. as his face is in the brake lights. You're like, oh, that's scary. Yeah, <laughs> and then you revisit it later, and it's an old man, but he still has the little boy's voice. It's just there's <laughs> no reason for it. It's just creepy. It's yes. just I was gonna say one of the reasons that it was brought back to my attention recently was that listening to another great. Podcast that I really like, which is um, Story, etc. And they did the thing about music. Yes. And one of the hosts was talking about um, that John Carpenter writes a lot of his own music. Ooh. These things, which is why I really want to rewatch this movie with that in mind. Okay. With that he, he's not writing from a musician standpoint where he's trying to compose something that's. That she would listen to separate from the movie. He is writing it to put the mood to the movie, right? And I didn't realize he had done that. I didn't know that about John Carpenter. I,
0: you know, it's not really fair that you have somebody who is like talented as a director and then also talented as a music writer. I'm like, come on, stop being good at all of the things.
1: I will say, I did really listen to the theme recently, and it's like a guitar driven. You know, it's like it sounds like an early '90s guitar driven thing. You're just like, ah, oh, this is creepy and <laughs> cool, and I'm excited for a horror movie now. Oh, the I two
0: love things that. that I remember about that movie: one, when the author is trying to convince him that he can. change reality he's on the bus and he's like you're asleep and you're dreaming you know but you know to show that this is real my favorite color is blue and sam Neil wakes up and everything is blue and he ends up just screaming his head off it's funny but it's creepy at the same time yeah and there's a lot of great little
1: one-liners and things that get thrown away like when he's it starts out with him being thrown in the insane asylum yes and he's in there and he's scribbling and in order to calm down the mental patients who sense the impending apocalypse or whatever the hell is happening. They start playing the carpenters. <laughs> Samuel's just sitting there scribbling his crosses, going, ah, oh, no, not the carpenters. <laughs>
0: Well, the ending of that movie, how you told me what your experience was with seeing that in the theater. Oh, yeah. Me and the dude that I was dating, it was a snowy night in Boone. And, of course, everything shuts down. It was like a really good snow. So we trudged through the snow to get to the movie theater because we were bored. Only two people in the whole theater. And you see the ending of that movie with Sam Neill alone in a theater. And we're, like, sitting here looking around ourselves at the time. I'm like, is this... Actually happening? He's in alone, alone in the theater watching the movie that you just watched. It's yes, exactly. yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, it's like In the Mouth of Mad Deception. Yes. Yeah.
1: That's. I mean,
0: it's but really But then you walked fun.
1: out and it was all
0: and it, quiet and Exactly, and, exactly. Good experience. I really liked it. It was very fun.
1: Yeah, definitely um, scared the pants off me, but it was also just, just fun. Just watch it because... You don't need to follow the plot that much. No. It just, and it's just a lot of scary stuff.
0: Even the fact that maybe the acting isn't all that great sometimes, but it all works so well, and now I'm just kind of like, I have to watch it every once in a while, you know, almost reciting along with the lines. I mean, like,
1: like, Jürgen Prochnow plays the Sutter Kane, famous German excellent actor. Excellent choice yeah.
0: for a creepy, uh, yes. you know, apocalyptic dude. Yeah. So we didn't need all of our time for that one, so we can move on to the next one, which is Kathman's pick. Well, this one's a kind of a tough one because there are so many movies that I really like that'll probably come up later but the one that i have to watch every year and this feels like i'm being brave by saying this the blair witch project yep every year i have to watch this usually right around when it starts getting a little bit chilly and i know there are a lot of people who complain that it was you know way overhyped but i missed the hype i jumped into it without really knowing anything about what was going on and you know i'm just finding out what the heck's happening when i go to see the movie but it's just it's one of those things It's exactly what I want out of a horror movie. It's all, it's entirely about the the scary that you can't see. Yes. Every single bit of it, it's surrounding them all the time. You know, there's something happening to them as they're lost in the woods. Things are getting switched around, whatever, and things are chasing them. (laughs) But you don't ever see it. Yeah. I mean, even when she's screaming about, oh my God, what is that? What the fuck is that? apparently they did have one of the crew members, like, dressed up entirely in white, running across from them, but you don't actually see that. I mean, that they, they weren't able to get the camera on, and it's fine. I mean, the fact that you don't see that makes it even more terrifying, and there's just, like, in ah, that one scene when they've been chased out of their tent and you hear Mike going turn that light off turn that light oh, off oh yes and that my is oh god, creepy god. Yeah. and I mm. <laughs> <laughs> that this <laughs> movie like the sound at one point because it's pitch black they haven't turned the cameras on yet and you hear them going outside and you hear the unzip of the tent thing man if you ever go camping after <sighs> that that's such a familiar sound you're like oh god this is going to be bad I you just know? was ever, everything's uh, dark out yes, there you can't see anything it was very shortly after I saw that Movie that we went with you and some of your friends out camping near Boone. And I remember at one point in the middle of the night suddenly thinking, and then I having to tell myself, nope, I'm not going to think about that.
1: <laughs> I don't think I'd seen it yet, so that's helpful. Those are the kinds mm-hmm. of things you have to put out of your mind when you go on a camping trip. But like...
0: I mean, some of the imagery, like I know it was accidental. With uh, Heather is filming this confessional with the camera aimed at her, and she was supposed to be framing her whole face, but it was just the eyes. Yeah, and then like a, a large portion of black beside her, and when and she's sobbing, and one she's like what was that and she looks off to her side and like and then you just you're laser focused on that patch of black right next to her eyes as she's terrified wondering what's going to jump out at her i'm like it's just so deliciously horrifying i
1: do remember that as just like a freshman level film course thing of if you want to make people feel like they're about to be attacked or they're very vulnerable, you get that close-up, because as an audience person, you can't see anything but their face. So you don't know what's wrong. If you want to make somebody feel lonely, you show them in a big empty space and and you know they're completely safe. But that, that kind of close-up is exactly like, as an audience member, you're thinking, I want to see. I want to see what is outside of your face. What else is out there?
0: <laughs> now, the Sci-Fi Channel did The Curse of the Blair Witch, which was sort of the documentary behind the documentary. It was actually filmed like the Blair Witch was a real thing. I remember you guys, before I ever saw the movie, you had a recording of that, brought it over to my place where I was living in Asheville, and mm-hmm. I watched it, and that night I had to sleep with the lights on. I mean... I watched it here, and I think Mom and Dad were out of town. Yes! And I was like,
1: yep, yeah, that's... I think it's almost scarier. It I really kind itself. of it is, it is, Because yeah.
0: you can't catch anybody in that mockumentary acting. It all seems... Everyone is being extremely natural, like or naturally awkward in front of the camera, like you would be... if you weren't actually an actor and you're being interviewed about this tragedy that happened but there was when we saw that uh, we went online and started looking up for stuff and we saw a trailer not for Blair Witch Project but for Curse of the Blair Witch and it was some of the like the woodcut images with the scary music and like a sort of flash animation of the colors like are the black just kind of drifting across from it and you're also hearing that strange kind of chong-chong sound effect that they had for the uh, the end credits, and of course Mike and Heather are screaming for Josh. Oh, God. That that combined with seeing Curse of the Blair Witch for the first time, I could not sleep that night. So yeah, I think I've always been more terrified after watching Curse of the Blair Witch than the actual Blair Witch project. Both of them are scary, but... I don't know why it has that effect. And the thing about the woodcut, you were talking about that. They had an exhibit in San Diego at one point called Torture Throughout the Ages. And I always tell people I had just moved to San Diego and we go to see this thing and they had various torture instruments up and some of them were replicas but some of them were real and they had little diagrams next to them explaining what they did but the diagrams were all these old English woodcut drawings which made it so much worse oh (laughs) interesting yeah oh there's something about like seeing these torture instruments being used in these kind of almost characteristic drawings and I'm like it just it's terrifying and seeing that in the Blair Witch I'm like oh god this is not good
1: (laughs) I wonder where because I don't remember it was such a big deal when it came out and do we remember what year that was? Was
0: that again ninety four Ninety nine I think. Ninety yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. nine. Because wow. it was before I moved to San Diego in two thousand, but not that much longer.
1: Because it made it was such an interesting approach to horror, I think, and I don't I couldn't say if that's unique, but it certainly as a as a blockbuster was unique. And then it kind of fell off, and I just wonder if that's getting you know, like a one-trick thing. Like, well, they could do this once, and yeah. after that, it doesn't work as I, I, well anymore. I
0: don't know, because I, I still want to see the sequel, because apparently the sequel... Not the sequel. Uh, the Blair Witch, I think, is the movie that came out recently that kind of oh, surprised everybody. Because anybody. I was about to say, they did a sequel. Don't say the, it. This it okay. The sequel was bad. Apparently, the newer sequel is not that bad. So okay. I know that's damning with faint praise. Yeah. But it's not as hard. Seriously, I, the sequel that they did, like, a couple years after, another one of those delayed reactions. I saw it that night. I, it wasn't until the next morning that I was just like, God, that was awful! Ah, I want to see, you know, the newer, you know, Blair Witch movie, but I also want to see, and I've got the DVD of it, but I'm waiting for fall, because that's when I watch horror movies, Paranormal Activity, which is another found footage. I've heard good yet. things yeah, about that the one. The first one is supposed to be really good, and Blair Witch Project, I think, did, for better or for worse, start this whole found footage, you know, like uh, um, Cloverfield, that sort of thing, that yeah. the, one of the characters actually being in charge of the camera. That's why I feel sorry for people who didn't see it when it came out, because it lampooned to death at this point I don't know that you could get the same experience as being in the theater and me and my friends seeing it and getting up after the theater was done and there was a woman sitting in the row behind us her face was white and she's like I came in after the show started. Was that supposed to be real? Like, no, no, no. It so totally I mean, up. it
1: was a student film. Is the other thing is yeah. the idea of being kind of a little off, uh, off the beaten path, literally, but also yeah. just as far as filmmaking goes, the idea that the students just it, kind of put this together and it, it was effective.
0: Yeah, if you guys do like the movie and you haven't seen it with the director's commentary, watch it with the director's commentary uh, I because have there's not lots seen it. of fun tidbits about that. You definitely
1: need to do that. So the directors basically left it to the actors, right? They left the camera with the actors so yeah kind yeah. of a little bit of guidance but just like here just go ahead and do this and yeah. this is what we want from you yeah, yes they, there was but, a lot
0: yeah. of like gps instructions and mm-hmm. you need to be here and this needs to be happened but there were things that happened during the movie like the map getting kicked into the creek that yes. was improv oh wow cool. holy crap okay so last one major one that we're going to talk about i was going to do silence of the lamps which is a classic and we all love it and everything but the thing is i haven't watched it in a while and i really need to It was another one that I got to see in the theater and I'm so glad I did was The Ring and not the original Japanese one. But that stupid video that they watch and the feeling of it, like almost like a Nine Inch Nails video and everything. Mm. And I've never yet seen something to this day that had that kind of atmospheric thing going on in the middle of a movie that worked that well. Just and that was I don't know if you ever saw uh, the DVD that they had for that. They had an Easter egg. That you would go to in the credit sequence, where if you found it and you hit it, it would play the entire... Because you don't... When you're watching the movie, you don't see that little video. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're seeing... the. It's cutting to the uh, the character's reaction. Because it's supposed to drive you insane if yeah. you see the whole thing, right? Yeah, or, like, it's it is.
1: To, whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But, but in the Easter egg, you do watch the entire thing, and it finishes. And you're, like, pressing the button, but you don't have control over it. And then you hear a phone ringing and oh, then, you get control. <laughs> then you get control of the movie. I don't know if like the Blu-ray version has it like that, but I just thought that kind of Easter egg was so freaking clever. But I, there there's so many things that I loved. One, the kid freaking out towards the end, you know, I think, God, what the hell was it? She saved the, the little girl, brought her up from, and he was like, you helped her? why would you do that? That's exactly what it is. (laughs) And then his nose starts bleeding and then it cuts to the boyfriend who's in his little studio and the TV starts doing its thing and you see the girl in the well and stepping forward with the hair in front of the face, that terrible, creepy image and everything, and then all of a sudden, boom, she's out of the TV. Another experience, we were talking about this earlier about uh, what lies beneath, where the entire movie theater as a whole spends the next five minutes just screaming. Their heads. <laughs> I loved it. I was sitting there, like getting done with that movie, being like, I have not been so terrified because then, of course, she's out of the TV and we're all like crawling her way out and we're all screaming, screaming. She stands up and then all of a sudden she's right in front of him and you're like, oh my God! (laughs) Just brilliantly done. And they did... Did you guys... You never saw the original Japanese ring, did no, you? No, no. Neither of you. Obviously, not even slightly as scary. But for the fact that it was a 1990s Japanese movie, holds up pretty well. But, yeah. Well, they, I saw they did... There was somebody shared something online of a video of a Slumber Party that they did with a whole bunch of little Japanese girls. And they <laughs> were watching the ring. And they had set it up to have someone dressed as Samara underneath the TV jump out right at the point when they're getting attacked. I entitled. remember seeing that. That's I'm,
1: just traumatic. I'm
0: sure. There was, there was probably a lot of extra laundry having to be done. I mean, the, the little girls, you didn't see them for very long, but you could tell. This was the kind of terror where they're actually sobbing. So it's like, too far. Yeah. Yeah, way too
1: far. I would have been pretty bitter about that. I was never good about watching horror movies, and that would have been just too no. far. Yeah,
0: what was the first? i I'm One of the first horror movies that I actually saw was one of the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and yep. it was at a slumber party over at Val's yep. and a bunch of the girls, you know, they brought all these videos and they said, we're going to watch this one. And I remember actually thinking, all right, my options are to make a fuss and rule ruin everybody's fun or hide in the bathroom or cover my head the entire time. Or watch the damn movie. And I watched the movie. I guess in the movie's defense, though, it was the Dream Warriors, yeah. which is I think generally considered one of the cheesiest of the Freddy Krueger movies. I feel
1: like that was it was a, like part three because I feel like that was another one that you all brought home. You're like, no, no, this is the least scary, and I still remember things about kids cutting their eyelids off so they yeah. to go to sleep. Something something like that. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: still pretty scary. But I remember telling the dude I was dating at one point about the Freddy Krueger movies. I'm like, yeah, my favorite one's the Dream Warrior movies, and he's like reading a book and he looks up. He's like. Yeah, knowing you, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) I like that one, but that's a. I I enjoyed that one. That was fun. I don't know. I it was years before I saw the uh, the actual first one. Now the first one's pretty. I mean, the scene with the the what is he gets sucked into the bed and then this fountain of blood coming up out of the bed. That's pretty traumatic. I I think if that had been my first experience with horror movies, I would not have any interest in watching horror movies ever again because I was always such a gore wimp. Yeah. Yeah. What about? Do you remember the first horror movie that you ever saw? Like sat there and watched all the way. I mean, In the Mouth
1: of Madness certainly was up there. I don't know. I remember watching some really gross, gory slasher, like, just pure violence things... They were Christmas-themed with the Davises up the street. I remember... Oh, did they so- do...
0: What is it? Silent Assassin Night Deadly?
1: I, think, I would think that was it, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, you, but that, that's... I mean, there's psychologically horror, and then there's just gore. Yeah. And I think at some point the gore... It's just... It's different classes for me. And I think the gore... You see it as a kid, and you're like, oh, that's scary, but it's gory, and it's gross. Yeah. And I'd rather be... At this point now, you know, that I'm a grown-up, <laughs> I'd rather be scared... But yeah. I'm okay with that. I think as a kid, I was like, I don't think I could handle the psychological well, scary. Yeah. I'm telling
0: you, one of the movies that's freaked me out that I now own a copy of is one that you recommended, which was Event Horizon. Oh. oh. Well, it's more yeah. Sam Neill. Yes. 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 <laughs> and you telling us that that freaked you out because they air, they build it as a sci-fi movie. And then halfway through, it turns into Hellraiser. Like, it <laughs> literally turns into Hellraiser. Oh, my God. I just, I don't know why I like that movie so much, but I like that movie so much. I watch it every once in a while. I think part of it has to do with those almost subliminal flashes of the Hell Dimension. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and apparently one of the Easter eggs you can actually see like that slowed down and see all... The, no no interest in seeing all that. That looked horrific. I, and I think that was filmed like in regular, you know, where people could actually see it and they ended up having to turn it into subliminal flashes in order to not get an NC-17 rating. It's also a pretty long
1: movie as it is. So again, it, kind of like um, What Lies Beneath, it's like a really slow burn at the beginning. You're just <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm getting into you're like an hour into it and then it starts to get Really scary. Man,
0: What Lies Beneath, we were just talking about that. That's why I like that. That you get that whole ending scene where is she going to get away from him or not? And you keep thinking he's dead or maybe she's gotten away and she hasn't. And everybody, (laughs) the whole theater, screaming and screaming and screaming. I love that kind of communal effect that you get with stuff like that.
1: But I like that it takes a while. Like, it really is. Like, last time I watched What Lies Beneath, it really is an hour in. You're just getting, you get like a flash, like, again, a little orchestra hit of a startle, you know, a startle scare. And you're like, nope, okay, nope, we're good, we're good. And it just, and then you've got all of this establishing feeling and tension and then it starts to go crazy and then it becomes very frightening now
0: modern horror movies because i keep trying to find more horror movies to watch stuff that i like like obviously i love silence the lambs i love all of these movies that we've talked about tonight but recent movies are hard to find now you guys are the ones who turned me on to the descent Mm -hmm. which is very very fun and, Mm -hmm. and really freaky and We've always liked caverns and caves and everything, but this movie will make it difficult to go into a cavern. And also, it's all women, which is cool. Yes. And
1: it's not the kind of story where the women have to be rescued. It's all tough women. It's Mm -hmm. not so... Again, something that maybe you wouldn't recognize unless it was pointed out to you. But it's a bunch of strong women going out on a weekend. And And, and
0: strong women, but not perfect women, because some of them are really bitchy. Well, the whole thing with Juno. I mean, Mm. she's obviously not a nice person, but being tough, I mean, she's just like... The the monsters have just attacked. She's gotten separated. Whatever she's had to fight for her absolute life. She's gotten separated from everybody. She's like, and then she hears something, and you just see her go. I'm gonna fuck something up. Yes. I, I love the change of expression on her face at that point. But I don't know of any other. I got a few years ago. I got suckered into seeing Drag Me to Hell. Oh, I've never heard of that. And it's a Ramy movie. Sam oh, Ramy okay. movie. You know, and it got really good ratings on IMDb. But I think it's because all the Sam Ramy fans. Uh, it had the kid who played me with the Mac and PC. Um, you yes. i oh, Mac yes. and PC. It's the kid who played the she Mac. his name. Yep. I know, exactly. So sure His character was wonderful. He played the boyfriend to this girl. Um, at one point, you know, she believes that she's been cursed and he's been poo-pooing it. And she's trying to raise all this money to try and, you know, pay this person to do it. And he actually gives her the money and she's like... But you don't believe in this stuff. And he said, No, I don't. But you do. And that's really all that's important. And the whole audience is it's just like, oh. oh my God. But it's a it's a Raimi movie. It's neither it's neither psychologically scary nor slasher scary. It's gross scary, which Uh-oh. I can't handle. I mean, and just, you've yeah. seen some of the Saw movies, haven't you? Or at least the first yes. one? Yes.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I've definitely seen the first one. I've never seen Bits I've of Me. I've never you seen, seen You
0: can't one. recommend them, or...?
1: They are, they're almost like short story scary. Like, they are, there is tension. They're definitely gory. Uh-huh. Yeah. But there is this, every setup, it's just there's not a lot of heft to it plot-wise... But I, I, they're scary. I don't. I remember waking up hungover one morning. Honest to God, uh, calling into work and watching a Saw movie on like a hungover morning. Wow, it was perfect. (laughs) It was. I was just
0: like, this is frightening, but I'm. I feel safe from my hangover. It's just. It's just... <laughs> see, I remember being so delighted when I found out that other people do the same thing that I have done, which is to go and, onto Wikipedia and read the entire summary of the Saw movies because I will never want to see them, but I want to know what happens. The yeah. setup. It's just interesting
1: if, like, you really like as a uh, intellectual exercise to set up just how gory a situation you might it's almost like the torture devices Yeah, oh, like yeah, what yeah. is the worst thing you could imagine so it's, so
0: it's torture porn yes it's yeah. very definitely yeah.
1: torture porn and the idea of can you get out of this you know um, what is one of the setups is you're, you've got this thing locked in your head as I believe this woman does and there is a body in the room and the key to the thing on your head is in the body you have to dig through the body oh. turns out the body isn't dead Oh, so yeah. it's shit like that. Oh my God. Yeah, so it's just uh, like like like
0: gory I think riddles. Leland, I wanna say, I don't remember if it was saw or hostile, which I believe oh, both. Yes, yes, yeah. pretty intense. Somebody, I think, I might be wrong, has to dive into a swimming pool full of hypodermic needles sticking up or something. I
1: don't I've seen I've seen hostile too, and I don't remember. Oh,
0: I'm pretty yeah. not sure that was that sounds like a saw what thing that you have to Because that I was know. the thing, you know, the whole idea about I don't know. Anything where you have to do something horrible to yourself in order to survive. You just have to want. Because I understand in one of the later movies, it's two people facing off with a scale, and they have to cut pieces of themselves off to throw on oh, the scale. And my the other gosh. person manages to cut off more, and that goes, you know, it, it weighs down on their side, the other person dies. It's
1: like what Seven started, and oh, they've just, just, like, just turned it into a computer, the whole concept. Like, Seven is a great. Seven is another example of a movie thriller. I love.
0: That movie freaked me the hell out, but it's like- with a little bit of gore. It's got to, it's, yeah, it's, it's got some, some gore, but, but it's, it's well-balanced. It's not about the gore. It's about what else is going on.
1: I was going to say the thing with the Saw movies it's, that is at least a little comic relief in between is that I'm pretty sure it's Carrie Elwes is, is in the first one, who's one of the people oh. who's trapped. So in between the stories that you're getting you have Carrie always wrestling with the American accents you get to like feel a little better about, him, about it it's, yeah, it's yeah, totally yeah. fair it's
0: totally fair but I can't think of any other modern horror movies other than uh, Cabin in the Woods which is yeah, one of my I, meet I meant, yeah I keep meaning to see yeah, yeah. We, I just mentioned to her the other day the reason why we, what you see it is because of Bradley Whitford which I think you'll enjoy his role in this movie yeah
1: you, all of a sudden you were like oh I don't know if you'll like it and I was like I was looking forward to it <laughs> well
0: I, I don't want to oversell oh, it yeah. I, always, I, you. I, I really you. really ride on people for overhyping something and yet I am guilty of doing that myself but so.
1: <laughs> well, there were a couple other scary things just that i had in mind because i like to get into the halloween mood and one of the things is that um snap judgment which is an npr podcast radio show they just spun off every october they do a spooked series where they just have first person stories that have a little bit of a soundtrack to them well now there's a whole separate podcast that spooks
0: oh nice.
1: that's just these people telling stories ostensibly that happened to them but they're ghost stories and on the one hand you're like i don't think this really happened but it's just a person saying, "This is what this is what I went through," and you've got a cool little like soundtrack behind them, and it's what? just like sitting around a campfire. It's a great campfire experience. Aww. What
0: was what was the story we listened to where it was an older woman telling a story and about oh, her mother entertaining people at the house. Wait a minute, hang What on. the hell was that? And I want to say it was one of these podcasts that you recommended, but it was told like it was real. Mm-hmm. There, there was something on the first. And now this is a podcast you and I don't like. The Orbiting Human Circus of the Air. That's what it was. That's exactly what it was. It was a woman talking about, you know, when she was growing up and her mother worked for a law office. Yes. And them, this was a law office that would find the worst of the worst people and get them off of their, you know, whatever they'd been charged with. And... I don't like that podcast at no, all. I'm <laughs> sorry, guys. I love all the other, you know, by the Night Vale Presents crew. You know, you guys do an amazing job. This podcast, I did not like. This particular episode, that one segment, was perfect because it was a little old British lady telling the story, and you believed that she believed this had happened. It sounded like somebody just being interviewed, because they also had another interviewer, like, occasionally interjecting with, oh, and, and this, and, you know, making noises that an interviewer would make. It was very, extremely well done. So Press This is a podcast, spook? not much. A
1: spooked. spooked. Yes. yes. Okay, I'll have to remove that one. From yeah, Snap yeah. Judgment. Oh, yeah, yeah. yep.
0: well, good. We always like to recommend things on this show,
1: and I think I want to. I need to re Google, but the two sentence ghost stories are always good for a revest. Those are
0: great. <laughs> oh, I should
1: have had some prepared, but just just in, if you. Yeah. I think if you Google two sentence ghost stories, you can usually find them, and there might be some some uh, misses in there, but a lot of them are really good and really. Yes, yes,
0: I think pause for a second. Look up a two sentence ghost story. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> yeah we have <laughs> is that this, that, is that we have this is? little thing here that allows us to do certain. Mess.
1: Some of them are really lenient with what a sentence is. There's a lot of run-ons. Yeah. But, uh, so the first one here is, I begin tucking him into bed, and he tells me, Daddy, check for monsters under my bed. I look underneath for his amusement, and I see him, another him, under the bed, staring back at me, quivering and, say- and whispering, Daddy, there's somebody in my bed.
0: Oh <laughs> gosh, that just is my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah, ah. That is one of my favorite ones. Hang on. Are you looking at the 42-second uh, That's what. Yeah, was...
1: yeah, that's what just popped up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um. Hold on a second. Uh, the, here's one. I can't move, breathe, speak, or hear, and it's dark all the time if I knew it would be this lonely I would have been cremated instead that's a good one <laughs> oh boy don't be scared of the monsters just look for them look to your left to your right under your bed behind your dresser in your closet but never look up she hates being seen okay. <laughs> let's see if I can find one
1: along those lines a tweet that goes around a lot or just an expression it's just is it said, a baby's laughter is the best sound in the world unless you're at home alone in the dark and you don't have a baby <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that one yes the grinning face stared at me from the darkness beyond my bedroom window. I live on the 14th floor.
1: Oh, that's a good one, too. <laughs> Yep, yep, creepy. <laughs> Um, and then after, the one thing I would recommend for, and I need to Google it and probably give it to you so you can link to it, but yeah. it's the, um if oh, it's in McSweeney's or somewhere, there is the Sad Pumpkin or Sad Jack-O-Lantern story, which is a story, it's a first person, it's a dialogue between a person and the Jack-O-Lantern after Halloween. Oh, interesting. Just, oh, and, yeah. it's just, and it's just like what the jack well, o it's, it's actually right before Halloween and how excited the Jack-O-Lantern is for Halloween, and then just little things like, uh, it's It's heartbreaking. Honestly. It becomes it's really you're really excited it's hard. It's kind of like it's kind of like a person and a puppy, except instead of a puppy it's a (laughs) jack-o'-lantern. Nice
0: (laughs) Did you we probably should see if this is available anyplace. Do you remember the Black Pumpkin, the story we read from our that Twilight Zone magazine we used to read? The Black, yeah, I remember the title. What was it about? I can I never was, remember the author, which is terrible because I, I think t- we actually read this aloud to some people at but one point. Why would we prepare for this podcast? Of course, come so, no, on, no, yeah, right. exactly. But you know, it's a, this, it's you know, typical like you know, kid who's picked on by his entire family, including his brother, who's horrific, and <gasps> they go to pick out jack o' lanterns, and he picks out this terribly like all scaly and bumpy, and carves into a jack-o'-lantern and gets his revenge and all that kind of stuff but it's like something about slurping up something yeah exactly I remember like, that like yeah. it, like yeah. it, I'm pretty sure it eats people you know yeah. definitely but it was a really well-written story in that Twilight Zone magazine I'll google it in time for this podcast we'll, well get at least the author there's a good chance this was a Dean R. Uh, story no way yeah. Yeah. I'll be dumb. I, just, I did a uh, uh, took a look in google and uh, found an article five scary stories to read in the dark and the very first one that's listed is The Black Pumpkin by Dean Koontz. Young Tommy has always been a disappointment to his parents. Oh, like, oh that's my God. gotta be a kid. Okay. Well, that's be cool. The one. I've, I've... I I should have guessed it would be a Dean R Koontz story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's we'll we'll make a link to that one. You if you can read it, that'd be a good one. Cool. Anything else? Any, any final thoughts I've, for the I guys? was
1: flashing on a cartoon about gargoyles that I can't remember. There was there was a cartoon about gargoyles, but I remember yeah. there was also I don't think it was related to that, a Halloween special about gargoyles and i don't think i'm pulling the two to mixing the two up but it was uh, something about gargoyles coming to life around Halloween. And All I right, I'll we'll have to look on, that
0: one up. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people that I was hanging around with with the last podcast. I feel like the cartoon gargoyles was a little bit younger than our generation, because I, I know was, people,
1: Yeah, that was right That right was right. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly, because I, I remember the show a little bit, and I remember a lot of the Star Trek Next Generation people did voices in it, but... Oh,
1: I didn't know that. Well, I remember... I think it was in the intro is why I think I'm mixing them up with something about the... They come to life where they can talk when the water runs... The rainwater runs through their mouth. Which I think oh, is, an old, is an old gargoyle legend. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. It sounds familiar. All right, we'll have to do more Googling on that one as well. Uh, any thoughts for you? Final mm-hmm. thoughts? No, no, just now looking forward to heading back home uh, in a couple of weeks and watching some more horror movies. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> That'll wrap us up for the evening. Make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all of the book reviews, all of the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. We've got another one last photo gallery of Comic-Con cosplay photos from Nathan downloading to my computer even as we speak so we uh comic con lasts all year as far as we're concerned mm-hmm. but make sure to check all of that PixLadyGeek.com. no idea what we're gonna recording next week because uh there's been a lot of travel and hurricanes and stuff like that throwing recording segments into disarray but uh, one way or the other we will talk to everybody uh in one week talk to y'all later good night